You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Hello and welcome back to the Elevator's Cut. I'm Roger Gaddis. And I'm Jason Wheeler. And today, we've got a special guest. We have Blake Early in studio with us. Hi, Blake. We're glad you're here. Thanks for having me, uh, Jason and Roger. Awesome. Uh, so we want to start off, first, just give people a little, little background how this all came to be. Uh, you, I, I guess, followed us in different social media spheres and it's it's all it's all uh, I don't know big blob these days of different social medias, but we had Twitter, LinkedIn, that sort of thing, and uh, and had reached out to us, and and I I think at some point started listening to the podcast too, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Well, so I was our first the first time I met you, I, I was in Chicago for the Grain Feed or Schaumburg, I guess, outside of Chicago, and for the Grain Feed, and now you are. You live in Chicago, so you were close, and you reached out, and we got together there and started chatting about what each other does and our backgrounds and stuff. And I guess we have similar philosophies on on farm marketing and you know grain origination that sort of thing. So today, that that that's our big topic today. I think we want to get your thoughts because Roger and I are a bit can be a bit of an echo chamber, right? We have the same philosophies and everything, and philosophies and everything. <laughs> What? You said echo chamber. <laughs> oh, I get it. Okay. Are you serious? No, I didn't. Gosh. Oh. Okay. We can cut all that. That's good. Um. <laughs> so anyways, so first of all, Blake, um, okay, tell us your background. How did you get into the grain side of things? Now, you're originally from Detroit, is that right, area? That's right, yeah. Birmingham, Michigan, just okay. north of Detroit. Clearly, I was around zero farms. So my professional background, I actually started as an options trader in Chicago. Okay. And my first pit experience was the S&P 500 pit at the SIBO. Um, but as options traders in Chicago do, they bounce around from commodity to commodity. And eventually I ended up in the soybean options pit. And that's it was back a few years ago when soybeans were moving around quite a bit. They were fun to trade. Um, and then one day I just kind of realized I had no idea what a soybean was. I thought it was, you know, trading edamame that I would get at a sushi restaurant. Uh, so I took a step back and, and I wanted to get a fundamental experience of what these agricultural commodities really are, how, what drives the price um, and what's essentially the backbone of the soybean option. So I left Chicago. I went to go work as an originator for CGB in Hennepin, Illinois. I worked there for nine months, and that was a great experience. I got to work with farmers, uh, help them build their marketing plans, um, just learn a lot about the, the agronomy of farming. Um, I think on my first week in the office, I asked one of the originators next to me if we could eat the corn. And he just kind of looked at me like I was from outer space. So, so that's where I learned about farming and agriculture. 
Um, and then so with my background in trading, I, I eventually moved down to corporate at CGB and helped them build out their uh, marketing tools desk, um, helped them just kind of with the internal risk management systems and all that good stuff. Um, my wife then became pregnant with twins and we wanted to get back to the Midwest. So I left CGB. I started prop trading again, options on corn and beans. Um, and then at this point, bean volatility was totally dead in the water. Uh, my livelihood depended on the liquidity of, you know, short dated uh, July puts. And it's not something I really wanted to <laughs> wanted to do. It's not your passion in life. Short dated <laughs> puts are not your passion in life. That's weird. That's, yeah. That's, I, I almost know, got that tattooed across my <laughs> chest. But uh, it took too much explaining to the no tattoo regret. artist. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So anyways, uh, so, so you have, have a... a pretty good background as far as understanding both the origination side from the commercials, but then also understanding just the general marketing side. And we say, oh, farmers and their farm marketing, it's tough and the market's up, market's down, all the stuff they have to deal with and, and trying to feel like they have to predict things and, and all that. I mean, you, you've been exposed to that world too and, and tried to help them with some solutions, obviously, along the way. And so... Uh, we just got Roger and I, I have both talked to you at, at different times about about our philosophy on farm marketing and everything, um, and and I think I think we have a lot of similar thoughts on the on the deal, right? But but maybe we have some different ones. Now, Roger, you and I have we talked much on this podcast about farm marketing and what they should do? Uh, checking with Randy, uh, he's nodding. Yes, yes, we have. Yeah, we've we've done it from time to time, but maybe you've maybe you've heard that one, maybe you haven't. But but Roger and I, you know, come coming from our kind of white commercial side, and and uh, si- simplicity is better is kind of our thoughts, and f- figure out your profitability, do uh, and and put in target orders, and and try to be proactive, and don't incur a lot of costs after harvest, and that that's kind of our our general take on it. Roger is uh, is a world famous. Uh, presenter at farm marketing meetings so he's uh he's he's probably the most uh astute on the on the podcast team on on all our farm marketing stuff right roger i don't know what's happening right now but uh world famous or this room famous i don't know uh no going out and doing it and that's one of the the good things about uh this role and uh you know i liken it back to um when i was still at the elevator and, you know, I could get up in front of my guys and say the thing that needed to be said about them marketing their grain. And it had limited, you know, effect. Now I get someone from further than 50 miles away, like Jason or Hardy or someone to come in and say the exact same thing to my guys and they would listen to them. So I understand the role of the advocate when it comes to farm marketing and how important it is for the the, the elevators to have an advocate to help them help their, help their farmers. And a lot of there's a lot of folks in the in the in the sphere of production ag out there that just say, you know, you can't, you know, those are two opposite sides of the coin. You can't help one and and the other one at the same time, which is patently false, especially if you're a basis trainer. That's that's patently false, uh, and it just you know, I think lends to the amount of miscommunication and in some cases mistrust between those two parties, which are both vital pieces of the supply chain supply chain of the grain industry. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and we've got to have, uh, 
we've got our work cut out for us, I should say. There, there's always a need to better facilitate understanding. And Blake, you know, I've talked about this a few times before, and actually one of our first talks, um, the, the, the terminology. I mean, from what you've seen, uh, what's your take on the terminology of stuff that has to do with farm marketing out there in the marketplace today? It's, it's just mind-boggling the different um, varieties of contracts um, and the different functionalities of these contracts. And a lot of them are the same, but they're called something different. And that's every commercial's way of branding their own contracts. So you call it a tomato, I call it a tomato, but it's still a red fruit that we eat. Um, so just to put this kind of in perspective of, of the research that I've done in the space, I've taken nine relatively large commercials uh, and I've, I've gathered their contract information. And between those nine commercials, there's 42 different contract types. And what I mean by 42 different contract types is every one of those different contracts has some sort of different pricing logic to it. Um, and, you know, most of those contracts, I believe, are good for the farmer. They help manage their risk. Um, there's not a lot of downside to them, but there's 42 of them. And that's just a lot for anyone to wrap their mind around. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and it doesn't have to be necessarily opposite ends of the, of the, of the country either. I mean, they, this could be next door to each other. I mean, a lot of them are. And, yeah. And, yeah and, and have this, this amount of options out there. Uh, options being ways to sell grain, not options as in options. Yeah. I think some of the, some of the contracts, like you said, it, they're ways to, for the farmer to manage risk supposedly, or there's, there's, that's what they're, they're pointing. But I think a lot of, a lot of times it, takes one decision of, Hey, I got to sell grain. I got to grow it and I have to sell it. And it takes one decision and makes into multiple decisions. And that can be, that can be troublesome for some guys. Uh, and, but, but for some it's, it's, Hey, you weren't going to make a decision anyways, at least you've made part of the decision, you know? So, so it does, it does get that, that, that piece, uh, through. And it's, you know, I, I see it as, as a two pronged, uh, um, approach, uh, to the movement of grain, you've got the farm marketing, you've got grain origination, two, two sides of the same coin, but separate things in and of themselves. And they, they can be at odds or they can work together. And obviously we'd all, the industry, I think, would want things to work together. And again, incentive structures based on what they are, sometimes that doesn't happen. But in general, you want a win-win scenario. And, and really, you're defining what's the win. What's the win for each party? And in my perspective, and I think uh, the win side for the producers to make, sell at a level that gives a good profit per acre return, well over and above his break-even cost. What does it mean for the elevator, the, the, the primary buyer, is that um, it allows them to own basis, and at a level that allows them to maximize return to their bin space. I, I think that's the definition of win for each party. And that definitely every year, there's, there's a window of opportunity where that can happen seamlessly. And uh, say costlessly, but at the very low end of the cost spectrum. And as time goes on, those costs change. What's good for the bin, what's good for the bushel change. Uh, and then that's where you have some other things come out. But anyway, all that to say is, you know, we've got to define what we're talking about. Just like we said, the terminology thing, you got to define what you're talking about uh, before you can have effective communication. 
And, you know, I think that's definitely something you've, you've been able to address. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just making sure the farmer understands exactly what he's looking at and he understands what the contract entails. And that's a lot of that has to do with the verbiage of the actual contract. The verbiage of the contract. And then following with that, the ability of the originator to convey what the contract does in, in a way that's clear and, and concise and, uh, poignant, you know, does it lead to action? Yeah, absolutely. Familiarity with the contract type is critical for farmers uh, to help them pull the trigger. And ultimately, the more familiar they are with the contract type, uh, the more likely they are to use this sort of contract. Um, so becoming not only familiar with the, how the contract works, but also max upside potential of a contract, max downside risk of a contract, uh, if contingency A happens, what happens to the contract? If contingency B happens, what happens to the contract? But knowing all those outcomes is very important for the originator and the farmer to both understand. That's very true. And I think, unfortunately, the, the more moving parts you have in a contract, the I guess the higher the probability that somebody doesn't understand everything that could happen, right? So that there's a there's a challenge there in our industry that... One, the farmers don't understand. Don't understand. Uh, they they may understand the general concept, right? Of, of course, to do it. Some guys are just kind of like, "Well, this is a new thing. I'm going to try it. I'll put just a few bushels in it. You know, not not a lot. And I, I got to try everything, and then I'll just see. I'll see how it works because I'll do it. And uh, you know, I respect that. And then, but the the other side is the uh, the originator are they are told, here are the benefits of this contract. Here's how you're going to present this to the farmer. Here's how you sell it, right? And they may even get commissions on selling these certain types of contracts. And they say, that's the kind of one I want to do because I don't get commissions on these other types. So I'm going to, I'm going to push it, right? Which, hey, we're all incentive driven. I'm, I'm down. So that's what they do. They go out and they, they push their contracts. And But there may be some scenario, maybe it's not super likely, but a possibility that it either – market goes, you know, to $10 corn or to $1 corn. Um, and it can create a scenario where, where somebody is like, this is, this would be an icky contract to be in if something crazy like this happened. And so a lot of times they don't know the extremes and, and neither of them do. So, you know, a lot of farmers want to get mad at that. I can't believe this guy. So, you know, honestly, they probably didn't realize that could happen either in, in a lot of cases. Yeah. And that's absolutely true. And you hear the horror stories about farmers being doubled up in these accumulator contracts years ago. And now accumulators have this terrible name to them. And they say that didn't work for me. Well, the contract worked. You just didn't necessarily understand what was going to happen if the market rallied. And like we've said, understanding that risk is critical, not only for the farmer, but for the originator. And again, the, the definition in terms of defining work, what, what has worked, what does work to mean? You know, and it comes like that. Well, what's the expectation? That's what it is. We're shaping perspectives and, and expectations. Right. Uh, similar with like a stay in the market contract or, or minimum price contract. Uh, a guy comes, comes out, he's sold his grain, he's bought more time out here and he gets out there and comes to the end of the period and you know, has paid this money and the market did nothing but go down and it make it contract didn't work. It's like, wait a minute. Did you sell your grain before the market dropped? Yeah. Well, 
I think that worked. You didn't get any gravy, but I think it worked, you know, because if you hadn't, you'd stored it, you'd incurred storage costs, and you'd be selling a low price. So, right. so again, it, it's what's the definition of work and, and just the defining of terms and uh, not just terms, uh, but the defining of motives. And we talked about a little bit earlier today, and, and I think maybe uh, we'll, we'll, you know, visit that again here during this conversation. Uh, but first, it's time to hear a word from our sponsor. Yeah, that's right. We're actually excited. It, it's, it goes along with our subject matter today. It's a new, new grain contract, uh, fresh off the presses, out of the minds of the, the geniuses behind the, the curtain. It's the old Freedom Fighter 2 contract. Freedom Fighter 2. When you want to declare jihad on clarity of outcome. Freedom Fighter 2, reserved for patriots. Freedom Fighter 2, because let's face it, Freedom Fighter 1 didn't work out so well. Freedom Fighter 2, the only way to get put call strangles, shoulder straddles, going all in your favor. Freedom Fighter 2. Freedom Fighter 2, cheaper than airfare to Vegas. Freedom Fighter 2, you gotta sign up to see what's in it. Freedom Fighter 2. Just fill in this blank with what your maximum credit line is at your bank. Freedom Fighter 2. Would you like to sell an unknown amount of bushels for an unknown amount of price to an unknown location? We're your answer. Freedom Fighter 2, because this time was different. Freedom Fighter 2. Why limit your success or failure? Freedom Fighter 2, because Twitter said so. Freedom, Freedom Fighter, Fighter 2, two. Mission, mission accomplished. accomplished. Freedom Fighter 2, relationships, relationships. <laughs> All right, so getting back to the topic of, of origination and farm marketing and contracts, and, and we, we discussed a little bit about how terminology is such an important part uh, of the entire process so that everybody's on an even footing and, and uh, clear communication can happen. You know, part of that that goes into that is is the fact that any grain contract out there is expressing an opinion on uh, futures movement, basis movement, or both. And and you can kind of consider it like a matrix, if you will, in each quadrant. All grain contracts will fit in one of those quadrants when it comes to think basis going to go up, going to go down, futures going up, going down. I don't have any proof of this. It's just a theory I've worked on a very, very minutely amount of time. Uh, over over the years, but I, I think it, it it holds water. I think you can say that contracts fall into that. But one of the, the the things then when it comes to motivations for selling or biases that the producer has for selling, um, the conversation needs to be geared towards that. What are you trying to do? What are you expressing your opinion through the contract you're using, Mister Producer, or are you just go into your default, whatever that is? And uh, you know, a good example of this is when. Uh, folks might be quick to do an HDA, say it's got a 10 cent cost onto it, and let's say it's for new crop delivery. Well, really, uh, you can just say, yeah, I'll do that and, and buy it from him and let him go. Maybe it's better to have a conversation of saying, hey, uh, you know, my basis is pretty close to normal for this time frame. By you doing an HDA that costs 10 cents, you're expressing the opinion that my basis is going to get more than 10 cents better between now harvest is this true you know and whether you yes or no or maybe you never thought of it that way but that's that's something that needs to be talked about because 
If the case is no, well, in this instance, you need to save his dime and just flat price of stuff. You know, if there is a big difference, then maybe the dime's worth it. So anyway, everything fits into one of these quadrants as far as your, the bias and, and the thought process and the motivations of selling to these producers. And again, this is ahead of time before it comes to the point where they've got to sell to pay a bill. You know, we're trying to make as many of these decisions before that point as possible. And this is a, a good point to bring in the, the biggest part of the process, I think, and I think you guys would agree as well, is the relationship side of things and how to strengthen relationships between buyer and seller in this instance. So Blake, I'd like to hear your take on on this line of, of thinking as far as the relationships and the, and, and the two parties here and, and how they uh, can strengthen a relationship. I think that the relationship between the farmer and the buyer is absolutely critical. And instead of, uh, I guess, new techniques of farmer selling that kind of eliminates the buyer, focus should be on enhancing that relationship that already exists. Let's build upon this infrastructure that already is the grower-buyer model because that's what works. That's the most efficient way. Um, so for that relationship to, to strengthen, um, there's, there's a lot of educational pieces that go into that, and that's the originator educating the farmer on what choices he has available in his marketing process, or whether it's marketing or even agronomy, just helping educate the farmer um, on some of the choices that are available. I think it's it's interesting, too, uh, on this, in that I've heard from time to time um, where producers will make the comment, well... You know, my local originator is just trying to get my grain. You don't really care what I'm doing. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm sure that happens out there in the marketplace. I know what happens out there. Uh, but I don't think it's the rule. I think that's the exception to the rule. I think the rule is that most people want to have that strong relationship. The local buyer wants to have that strong relationship with their producer because they're both in it together. They both live in the same community. They're trying to make this thing work. And uh, the bias needs to be, I would think, for the local buyer to what's in the best interest of the producer, not necessarily what's just in the best interest of the elevator or the primary buyer's business. Um, and I think most people have that shared um, uh, perspective on it. But, you know, you do get that out there sometimes. Oh, well, they just, you know, get my grain at any cost. Well, you know, uh, I would contend that there are players in the market that have that mindset but do a real good job of covering that up when they go to the producer. Uh, and the producer thinks it's in the you know interest of, of non-biased third party over here. You know, so again, it comes down to, you hear this a lot out there, especially on like Twitter, is having skin in the game. If you don't have skin in the game, you, you don't know what's going on. Well, if I'm the local elevator, I've got skin in the game of getting you a good price and getting me ownership of basis where I need it at. Maybe this third party newfangled organization that does has color names, comes in and starts wanting to talk about stuff and, and trying to get in here and, and, and do, do, the, do the marketing for me, uh, what's their bias? They claim to be independent. They claim to be unbiased. They claim to be, you know, distance herself. But do I want distance in my business? Am I trying to keep money locally and trying to keep value here? So, again, there's two sides to it. But I think that local relationship where both parties are trying to do what's best for them and one another, you know, you're not taking out one person's pocket to put it in another, essentially. Yeah, well, it's the it's the mentality of we have worked together for years, are going to continue to work together for years after this. I can't, you know, 
from a grain elevator standpoint, it makes more sense to just fill your space with wheat with when there's huge carries and never take another commodity ever again. And you can make more money that way. But I want to continue to to be in business. I want to continue to take care of my customers. So I'm going to empty out. I'm going to, I'm going to buy corn. I'm going to buy beans. And even if there's carry forever in corn and beans, I'm going to buy new corn and new beans that, you know, when harvest comes, because that's a service that you provide the function you're providing to the market. So a long-term perspective on a relationship is what you're saying. And that's true. And so when we come back to the origination side of it and the, and the personal interactions and the, when these different types of contracts come about, right. You can, uh, if, if the if the farmer and the originator, the the buyer in this case, can't uh, can't can't both understand it very well, it's a it's a recipe for in the end if something does happen, some sort of extreme thing or unforeseen thing happens, we've got a frayed relationship. And the nature of both our businesses is that we work together well. And if a relationship's broken, it it really hurts both of our businesses. The farmer say, "Well, screw that guy. I'm never going there again." Well he does serve a function and it could, it could help your business if you guys had a good relationship. So, um, so I think a big part of the grain business is making sure the both sides understand so they can both help each other. Cause it is complimentary, um, you know, elevator farmer. Uh, that's a, that's a good relationship to have. You don't want it frayed. It's just too valuable long-term. So all of that brings us back to a, a big reason why, why, Blake's here in the first place in town and everything. He's he, he's working on a project that I think is is really interesting and cool. So I, at this time, I wanted to Blake tell us what the next steps are for you and and what's what's coming and what your vision is. Thanks, thanks. Uh, the project I'm working on is AgroHound, and essentially it's a software as a service uh, designed for originators and farmers, and it's a highly educational platform that helps educate farmers on the choices that are available to them through their local commercial on how to market their grain. And so essentially, if a farmer sells to commercial XYZ and commercial XYZ subscribes to AgroHound, uh, we'll list those contract types on there. And the farmer can go through those different contracts with the originator, see how they work, become comfortable with them, become familiar with them, uh, see what the best case scenario could be, see what the worst case scenario may be, see how many bushels you might have priced at the end of it, etc. And we're building in a share screen tool so the farmer can sit on his uh, iPad or desktop and actually see what the originator is clicking on and see the results of these simulations. So it's, it's really visual. And, and we know farmers, they go to these marketing meetings. Um, sometimes they won't raise their hands in front of their peers or they, they don't learn things just from being told. And that's how I learned. I'm very visual and I like to learn at my own pace. So a farmer can log into his AgriHound account and play with these contract types, see how they work, become comfortable with them. And then once he's enrolled in the contracts, it, it's tracked in AgriHound. So he'll know how many bushels he has priced, not only in his overall portfolio, but if he's doing like an averaging type contract, uh, he'll know that percent price in that contract type, what his hedge price is at that moment. Uh, if there's a knockout or a double up feature, He'll always know how far away he is from being knocked out or how far away he is from being doubled up. 
all those contingencies that might affect the contract, we want the farmer to be aware of at all times and, and also the originator. Um, and so we've added a notification feature to that because if something does happen to that contract, we want the farmer to be notified, whether it's via email or text, of how many bushels were priced, um, uh, what his final hedge price was. And I'll know that uh, as soon as it happens. There's no more waiting for um, the originator. Maybe your originator's on vacation. He can't get back to you or something. So we want all of that to be uh, extremely transparent and um, just keep it in front of the farmer at all times. Um, and then ultimately, the farmer can compile all of his contracts together, run different scenarios, and, and plug in his insurance and, and see what his profit per acre is. Um, there is an area of the software we can, where he can plug in or she can plug in their input costs and, and figure out what their break-evens are. So it's, it's, it's an overall view of your um, portfolio, of your marketing plan, becoming very comfortable with the tools that are available to you and working with your originator to better understand how these contract types work. Yeah, I think it'll be on the relationship side of thing. What happens to get those relationships frayed is a surprise happens. Something unexpected happens. What and and you were nice enough to show us some of this uh, earlier today. And what this does is, before you enter into anything, you can run every type of scenario of possible outcome. So you know it's not just the hey, here's the sales uh, the sales pitch to for this contract and. We, don't talk about some things could happen. No, it's it'll it'll all be there. And like your 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 platform is completely agnostic, as you say, to to any type of contract. It doesn't prefer one over the other, but it's just you need to know everything about it. And and I think I think it's going to be huge for salvaging relationships before anything bad happens. Because if you can get rid of surprises, you can get rid of a lot of yeah. and, and not just salvaging, but strengthening them going forward. Right. And I you know as I was looking at your demo, Blake, I was thinking back to my time at the elevator and thinking. Man, something like this would have been fantastic to have explaining guys because it was usually just pencil and legal pad and drawing out, well, here if this happens and here if it goes up, here it goes down. But to have something like this, like you said, you could call over the phone, be looking at the same screen and go over this stuff. That's huge. That's incredible. That that gives, you know, like you said, there's 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 words, but then there's there's vision on it as well. And that's that's a big thing. And I think this is really gonna help a lot of folks. Um, um come to an understanding with their customers and both parties be able to, to have a, a better appreciation of what they're doing and their role in the relationship. But I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. There was a lot of thought that went into this platform. I did a lot of market research, figured out what the market kind of needed. Um, and this is a niche product. It's educational on marketing tools. It's niche, but that is the biggest hurdle in this space is getting farmers to pull the trigger because of their comfort. Uh, comfort level with these sorts of tools. So who, who is your, your customer for this? Who, who should reach out to you if they're interested? My customer is the commercial. So the commercial will pay AgroHound a monthly rate per user, and then they will disseminate it to as many of their farmers, growers as they want. So per user, meaning per farmer. Per farmer, yeah. So okay. if a co-op or a commercial, I'm sorry, has 100 users logged into AgriHound, they'll pay me 100 times X per month. Gotcha. Yeah. And so we've, we've made it extremely affordable for the commercials because we think this is an important tool in all 
originators toolbox. Excellent. And if folks want to find out more uh, about Agrahound, Blake, what, where do they go? Shoot me an email, blake at agrahound.com, or go to the website agrahound.com and submit a question on the form below. I'll be happy to answer any questions you may have. And Blake, when do you think this, because you're developing, you're, you're finalized pretty close to the to the finish line here from what we saw. So are you close to rolling this out? Yeah, we're very close. Final product will be launched in a week or two. So we're very close to launching it out to uh, the commercials. And just to let our listeners behind the curtain a little bit here, we these are actually not live podcasts. So when he says a couple of weeks, it, it may be about the time this is releasing, yeah, right? Yeah. So you you definitely need to be if you're interested, you need to be looking. And uh, and this is the sort of thing I think that you kind of want to be one of the first adopters on, probably in your market. It would be a be a cool thing uh, for you. Set yourself apart, which I mean that's the big thing in this business. It's a commodity business, so you have to have a point of difference. From your competitors and so uh trade a commodity one. don't be a commodity that's right damian mason told us all about about that that's a good one so anyway so hope everyone enjoyed the podcast today we enjoyed making it and uh getting to getting to meet with with blake in person here it's pretty, been pretty cool yeah thank you blake for uh coming out and being on thanks for having me guys i appreciate it so as always we remind you to to keep listening, download more episodes and share it with your friends and subscribe and like us and all, all that stuff on whatever platform you're using. Keep listening and we'll keep making these things. All right. So for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevator's Cut. Out. Out.